that Jesus in the book of Matthew is presented as the king of kings, the prophet of prophet, and the priest of priests. And we're in the section here where he, we're still seeing him as the king, as the prophet of prophets, even though the sense of being a priest is beginning to show up a little bit more as well. But uh, that he's the king of kings is presented chapter 1, let's say all the way to chapter uh, 12, and then he's the prophet of prophets from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 25, and then 26, 27, 28, the priest of priests. But here we find Jesus again teaching his disciples, and uh, he's demonstrating as well now that a sermon is going to be humble. And in that humility, he's still going to continue to offer spiritual nourishment to others, and that's Jesus. But he's missed. His whole person and his uh, objectives and goals are missed. And I find as I think about artists and other people, uh, songwriters, sometimes they song, write songs and then they, they uh, songs become popular or whatever. Many times the song has very profound meaning, but the public misses it. They just like it because it sounds good, catchy or whatever, but the message is missed so much of the time. Uh, and really that's the, that's the way it is. Uh, we continue to experience that. And many times we miss it because perhaps looking inside can be a little scary. To be honest about what's in our hearts can be really scary. So we don't want to go there. And so when Jesus came revealing who he was, it exposed really the inner being of all human beings. And so that can be scary. So maybe that's one of the reasons why everybody missed it. Uh, but we find Jesus here penetrating uh, Jerusalem the spiritual center, so to speak, the, the seat of government for, of God. Uh, of course, he was fallen as far as morally and so forth. Uh, but here was the king approaching, entering Jesus. Uh, entering, uh, Jesus was entering the Jerusalem, and he was the king. And he says in chapter 21 of Matthew and verse 1, when he had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two of his disciples. I find in the text itself there's uh, three prepositions that are the same, uh, the same very same preposition, uh, going into Bethphage, into the Mount of Olives, and into Jerusalem. Like he was penetrating, there was an intention of penetrating. Uh, Bethphage means unripened figs, uh, the Mount of Olives, uh, olives uh, produced oil, uh, kings were anointed with olive oil, uh, promising blessings, the oil represented the blessings, uh, the unripened fig, there's a promise that the there's going to be a fruit, right? And of course, Jerusalem, the center of all blessings, because God rules, is to rule there. Uh, but Jesus was intentionally going into, and he stops right before actually entering Jerusalem. He stops in Bethphage by the Mount of Olives, which is like a half a mile east of Jerusalem proper, so to speak. Uh, but this is, this is where he's going. He's intentionally penetrating, going in. 
And he sends to his disciples, and it's very interesting, again, every detail, uh, and as we get closer and closer to the crucifixion, even more seems to me anyway that every word becomes heavier and heavier with meaning. And so we find here, uh, he instructs his disciples to go uh, to the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied up and the colt with her. Uh, untie them and bring them to me. Uh, at the very least, just shows Jesus he's omniscient. He's omniscient. He knows. <laughs> Go to the village opposite you. Going to find a donkey tied, and there's going to be a the baby, the foal of a donkey. The baby is called a foal, F-O-A-L. Uh, can be up to a year old. Uh, the little a little donkey. And so you're going to find tied and untied and bring them to me. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And he owns everything. He, he's the creator of everything. So anytime he actually needs something or someone, he, he's going to use them because he is owner. Um, and then he basically acknowledges and makes that declaration, so to speak, because he says, if anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. <laughs> uh, tell them the Lord, acknowledging himself as the Lord, right? The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Uh, God can communicate directly or indirectly. He's going to do, he is absolutely sovereign as well. Not only does he know everything, but he is sovereign. And that becomes very important in all of life, especially when things are not working right, not working the way we want them to work. We need to remember that He is Lord. There's a song, one of the hymns, the waves still know Him who ruled them while He was here below. Uh, animals, people, God is sovereign and He is Lord uh, of them. And so um, they did that. They took the play. Uh, this took place, and then now Matthew uh, combines two passages in Isaiah 62 and Zechariah 9. He combines them, and uh, when we look at those passages that he quotes from, for he says in verse 5, this may be uh, verse 4, maybe the prophet spoke, uh, say to the daughter of Zion, the daughter of Zion, behold, your king coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey even on the colt the foal of a donkey the foal of a beast of burden um, and if we, we look at those two passages where this composite quote comes from both have the same subject and that is Jerusalem and it's going to be the same thing on both the intention to for Jerusalem it's going to enter Jerusalem to bless, to save and glorify Jerusalem. Both of those passages uh, indicate that same subject and same goal. Entering Jerusalem to bless and glorify Jerusalem. But he comes in the donkey, the fall of a donkey. The donkeys are small. They're not like horses. They're big, right? They're short. They're small. And now we have the fall of a donkey. The baby. Uh, 
And this is what Jesus is going to be writing into Jerusalem. The probability is that the animal was so small that maybe Jesus' feet were dragging on the ground. Talk about humility. By the way, uh, what's quoted here is from Zechariah 9, verse 9 and following. Zechariah 9, verse 9 and following. Zechariah 9, 1 through 8, the first eight verses of Zechariah 9. Scholars have determined that this was the activity of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, the great conqueror. He would go here and there on great horses and so forth, and conquering, conquering, conquering. In contrast to that, here is Jesus coming in on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey. How threatening would he be to Rome? Not at all. And yet he was the king. It says there, here's the king, your king. But he's gentle. Riding on a small donkey. Immense humility. Deep humility. And he's coming to offer nourishment, salvation, for Jerusalem, his people. And again, Jesus is demonstrated to his disciples. You want to be great? The foundation of it all is humility and continuing to nourish others. Uh, but again, Jesus' character is missed. Is, is missed. And how many times have we missed Jesus? even in our daily lives, that we just miss what he's doing in our lives or the lives of loved ones. Uh, his, his gentleness, his love. Uh, so we find this now, the disciples did exactly what he did, what he said, and by now the disciples <laughs> were learning, man, when Jesus says to do something, just do it. Do it. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. So he did, uh, they did, uh, when it did just as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. I suspected by now the disciples were saying something big is happening here. Uh, Jesus hardly ever asked anything for himself. And now here he was calling to bring this animal to him. Uh, something big is happening here. So they instinctively or whatever spiritually sensitive set their coats on the animals. And they brought them. Uh, even though they may not have understood all that was going on, they probably did not understand. In fact, I know they didn't understand. But just since something was important. Now the crowds, uh, they were very excited. Very, very excited. But they were missing the real character of Jesus. And you'll see why I say this. Uh, so most of the crowd spread their coats on the road. And then there were others bringing branches off the trees and laying them on the way as the donkey went. Uh, which, by the way, somebody pointed out, a dear sister in the church pointed out, uh, she used to have a donkey. And the donkeys are wild especially if they've never been written. 
They, they will buck you off. They're crazy. But this donkey, this donkey, totally docile, obedient to his master, the creator. Let Jesus ride on him. There's no sense of the donkey bucking him off or whatever. So well, that's a great, great thought, great insight. But here was the, 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 the crowd was excited. They were throwing, you know, putting their coats and their branches as, as they went along. And they, they were singing. They were singing. The crowds going sh ahead of him and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And again, sometimes even today when we sing songs, we don't understand the meaning. Uh, and these people, Hosanna, uh, in the Hebrew, in the original, the, and, and the way it was you know, intended and originally was, save us, we pray. Uh, that's the meaning of it. But by this point, it was more like a hail, Jesus, hail, just like a, an exclamation of, of excitement. Hosanna, Hosanna. And then they quote uh, Psalm 118, verse 25. Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But that psalm is quoted about Jesus being the cornerstone, the rejected stone. But they were just simply quoting without understanding. And you'll see why I say this. Uh, they were all excited, and again, Christians can get all excited, and but without understanding, without real understanding. Uh, when they entered Jerusalem, they, the, the whole city was stirred up like, man, they were, they were buzzed. And they asked, who is this? Who is this? And the response shows that they really were not understanding Jesus. They, they should have just bowed down in utter complete worship. Here is God, man. Here's the Messiah. No, no. No, that's not what they said. Who is this? Verse 11. And the crowd were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Prophet. Mm. Okay. They, had, they knew he was some kind of prophet, some good man, but not God, not the Messiah, not the one who would be paying for their sins. No, you see. And so, again, I mean, what, what, what are we to gather from this? He totally humble. He had been missed already over and over and over and over. Uh, been misunderstood, mislabeled, misapplied. But he continued to show himself as a servant coming in a donkey to bless Jerusalem, to bless the people. That's humility. That's humility. Uh, so what do we gather here? Well, first of all, we need to work at having a sound understanding of Jesus and his word. A sound understanding. I, I, I often say, look, read the Bible, but don't read the Bible just to read the Bible. You know, I read a chapter, check. I spend five minutes in prayer, check, and get all these things done and not really have the understanding and meaning of it. It's better to read one verse, 
with understanding they read a whole chapter and not have any meaning with it. And that means that we're going to say, Lord, help me. I need your help to understand him. I need to read other material. I need to ask around. I need to spend time in the text. Perhaps reading the whole chapter over and over and over and over and asking, Lord, help me. Because I want to have a sound understanding of what you're saying and who this Jesus is. So I would say that's my, the first application we need to look at. We need to have a sound understanding of Jesus and his word. The second, of course, is obviously we need humility. We need humility in, in the Christian community and in our approach to God, in our relationship with God. It's not that we can demand anything from Him or demand from other people, other believers especially, but no, to say, wait a minute, it's not my needs. I need to look at the needs of others. That's humility. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, we find... Uh, this whole sense of humility and the apostle paul writing to the philippians philippians chapter 2 says therefore if there's any encouragement in christ if there is any consolation of love if there is any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Not doing, not do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Humility. Humility says, it's not my needs. It's the needs of others that I need to focus on. And then he goes on to give the great, great passage, profound, mysterious uh, passage. Theologically, we can be spend hours on this one. Books have been written on this. But... The main message is very important, very, very clear. Jesus humbled himself. For now we read in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although existing in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to grasp, to hold on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That should be our example for all believers, right? Humility and still offering nourishment to others, spiritual nourishment to others. It couldn't go physical if that's what's uh, needed, but Jesus came into Jerusalem to save and to bless and to glorify Jerusalem. Even though he was missed, even though he came riding in a donkey. And by the way, he is coming back and the next time he's not going to be riding a donkey. <laughs> uh, the whole world needs to buckle their seatbelt and submit themselves to Jesus. To trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior because he's coming back. But this time he came 
riding on a donkey, utterly humble and ready to bless, ready to nourish others. Uh, then my last application is, look, uh, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Jesus was, not only was he giving prophecy of what was going to happen, he was fulfilling prophecy, right? To bless Jerusalem, to bless his people. But the people needed to respond in faith. And in the Christian life, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. This is a, this is a, a mode of living. It is a lifestyle. It is an ongoing characteristic of a Christian to live by faith. Here was Jesus presenting himself. He was the king. Behold, your king comes riding on a donkey, the fall of a donkey. But they need to respond by faith. And so it is in the Christian life. There's no way around faith. We must live by faith. And of course, the question comes, well, faith in what? In a rock? Faith in the Quran? Faith in Buddha? Faith in what? What's the object of our faith? Obviously here, the object of our faith is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And it's not just for salvation, but all of life. But we have to make, each and every one personally has to make that decision. Nobody else can make that for us. Uh, even God is a gentleman. He says, Here, here's my gift, here's my son, here's the great sacrifice he made for you. Will you not accept? Will you not live by faith? Will you not live by faith in him and live for him? Well, you have to make that decision. Will you? Will you? God bless.